0: and welcome to the Intuitive Activist Podcast. I'm Leilani, your host, and today we are joined with the incredible Christine Guevara. Christine is a mental health counselor and the founder of Calm Waters Mental Health Counseling based out of Tacoma, Washington, whose private practice prioritizes the health and wellness of BIPOC individuals. She specializes in trauma and grief and loss with a strong concentration around multiculturalism, social justice, and identity. And when I think of Christine, well, first of all, I think of family because Christine is actually my biological sister. I think of all of the ways in which she has supported my journey and my own healing and just been such a brilliant light shining in the darkness. She is somebody who values, truly values, making a difference in the lives of underserved and unseen populations, many of whom have fallen through the cracks of our broken societal systems. She, She's an angel, y'all. <laughs> for real, for real. She is somebody that is here to help us navigate the darkness, and I'm so grateful she is, and I'm grateful that she's... Serving that mission here in this life, on this earth, at this particular point in human history. I'm so excited for you all to hear this conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And for now, you know the drill grab your tea, your cozy spot, your coziest blanket, and cuddle up to this episode of the Intuitive Activist Podcast. Let's begin. Christine, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. For the listeners, fun fact, Mm -hmm. Christine is my sister. Just full transparency. Let's get that right out on the table. I am.
1: Not by (laughs) choice, but yes, I am.
0: (laughs) So of all of the guests I've had on the show have known you the longest, And the reason why I wanted to bring Christine, and I'll call her Chris every now and then as well, the reason why I wanted to bring her on is she is doing such incredible work in the mental health field, prioritizing people of color and allies of racial justice. And really, I think it's just really important, too, because you've been such an important part of my healing. And... I wanted to offer your perspective, and also you have such an incredible way of bringing in the existential component into your mental health counseling. And so with that, can you just give our listeners a little bit of information about what it is that you do, what brought you here, and how your intuition plays into all of it? Sure.
1: Thank you for all those nice things. I appreciate that. First, I think... The biggest thing that I do is I have been a healer in my bones since, I mean, I can tell you the first time I decided to be a therapist was in eighth grade. I was 14 years old. For some strange reason, it hit me after watching this movie and I realized that I wanted to help people. I wanted to find that glimmer of hope. I wanted to be able to Walk alongside people when they lose that glimmer of hope and see what I can do to help them find it again. And so what I'm doing now is, you know, honestly, I've worked in community mental health agencies for a while here, working with some BIPOC, homelessness, drug abuse, a lot of different situations, underserved, the voiceless. And What I found was that the agency work really tied my hands and it wasn't intentional and it was not anything that they you know, could do differently just because that's how these agencies are ran. And I looked elsewhere. I said, something's got to be there for me. Something has to support me in my path of healing right now. And what I wanted to do was bring in this huge multicultural factor as far as all of this goes. And with our racial unrest right now, I felt this urgency that I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't reaching the population I needed to reach. I wasn't walking alongside the path that, or even on the path at that point. I was just kind of checking off boxes. That's not something that I was willing to do. So, what ended up happening was I got rejected (laughs) multiple times by different agencies, different networks, different areas where I really wanted to see if that was where I needed to be. So, after not finding it and being rejected for any other piece, I just created my own. I knew I needed to. Start a path for myself where I could prioritize BIPOC individuals, where I could bring in this aspect of allies and have this inclusive practice that was also accessible. Because what I struggle with, I think, is private practice has this stigma of only certain people can be able to get a good therapist that can actually get the care they deserve, that can get someone that is not just super burnt out. And it's not the therapist's fault. It's unfortunate because burnout happens really quickly, especially in community mental health. And it's hard to really get that burnout out of your bones unless you step away and so I would, thought it was really important to create a space where I could have this equitable diverse space this inclusivity and also be accessible to those that really you know they really need it so I did that slowly building right now and I do come from a mindfulness-based existential theoretical framework and what that really means is just a bunch of big words for I like to slow down and really examine paradoxes, dualities, these stuck points, these places where people are stuck between these big, huge places, and they have no idea how to find that balance. They might not even know what that balance would look like, even if it showed up for them. And so what I bring in is for my mindfulness and existential approach is an openness to the unknowing, because that's what's really scary. I think for a lot of people is, We know what it looks like when it's good. We know what it looks like when it's bad. But what does it look like in between when we can't reach either of those areas as fluidly as we would like? And so what I try to do is really strive to use my intuition first off, just building that rapport. I use all my senses in the room when I'm present with someone, especially new clients. I use every sense I can to make sure that I'm aligning with what they're needing for that non-judgmental and open space. I really trust the client. They've been living their life for a long time. And of course, they're here because they need some kind of guidance, some kind of help. Something is not working. And what I like to do is, you know what, you use your expertise to tell me as much as you possibly can. I'll use my expertise and my intuition to find out what's missing. Where is this piece that's not working? And in doing so, my intuition it's kind of it's interesting because it can work for me in the ways of like I can really connect with people on a basic humanistic level. I have a connection. I'm able to really bring that connection forward and a lot of times that's what people are needing. They just need that support to say you're not in this alone. I believe in you and I can see all these different things that you're not able to cuz you're in it, right? And so even more so my intuition goes further when I get into more of a deeper rapport and a, a very close relationship as far as this goes for for clients, because I'm able to almost hear what they need to hear in my own head before I say it, because I, I've worked with them for so long. And it's just this, this knowing of, I've seen you in this space. I know what this looks like. But instead, you have an extra hand that's saying, whoa, 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 like, I know where this is. So just reach out. And let's see what we can do. And it's scary because people think therapy is, you know, it's got this stigma, it's got this stereotype, it's almost, it it has this huge history of what mental health has looked like over the years. But really, I mean, all it is, is I'm showing up for you. And I'm asking you to show up for me. And if we can be as genuine and as authentic as possible in this space together, then we can do some work. And whatever that work looks like is subjective to each individual that walks through my door or turns on their computer in this case.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, so many gems and so much that you said there that I guess where I want to start is I hear you talking about duality and as humans, we tend to want to be in one or the other, right? Either we know we're in the shit and we know we're struggling and all of that, or things are good. But what I hear you saying is the nuance, the in-between. And I think why I am gravitating toward that right now is because I feel personally like I'm in an in-between. I mean, just where I am in my life and the choices I'm making and the roles that I'm shedding and the roles that I'm taking on and our world. COVID is the in-between. We are... In between what we know, which is the world as we knew it before COVID was a thing, and the unknown or the unknowing, as as you eloquently described it, and so, for those of us who are struggling in the in between, which honestly is kind of a collective struggle right now, what is moving through you now that you want those folks to know?
1: I think what's coming to me, honestly, is when are we not in the in between? How do we? find comfort in these moments, you know, in between where it's hard to differentiate, you know, what is it like when I'm perfectly fine? What is it like when there's a little bit of struggle? What does that look like? What I feel comes up is it's almost this just prerequisite for human existence is this fact that we have to face unknowns, arguably every single day. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. And what gets scary is when people refuse to look at that, refuse to look at the fact that this human existence is riddled with suffering. It's riddled with growth and transformation as long as you are able to open your eyes and look at it. And so I guess what what comes up for me is, how can I bring comfort to any unknown and be able to help them translate that to every aspect of life? Because we are always in transition. We are always in growth. Whether we want to admit that or not, Things are turning around us. I think that right now with COVID especially, it's been hard for people because it has forced them to slow down. And so what happened in the beginning was this whole shutdown, you know, when everybody is kind of forced to do. So what happened was people gravitated towards doing, let's do, let's do, let's do, let's pick this new habit. Let's go to this thing. Let's try this on. Let's do all of these. Which is great when you're working in some kind of like self-help capacity, if you're exercising more, if you're trying to change your diet because you can meal prep better. But really what it is, is this ingrained sense of you have to keep doing, you have to keep moving. Otherwise, what would happen? If we stopped and slowed down. And especially in our time right now, you know, what comes to mind is this like superwoman, Superman mentality, right? That we all have, which is we are invincible. We can do everything. We can keep going. But really, even superheroes have to rest in the movies and in the shows. Otherwise, they cannot go out and be the best that they can be when they're called to do so. And so it's this interesting duality, I think, that COVID has brought in where it's like, I have to continue to do. I'm doing. I got to do something. If I'm not working, then I have to do something. And then there's also, I am so tired. My bones are tired. My body is tired. My soul is tired. Why does it feel tired when I'm not doing that thing? Is what people would really feel like. like where is this fatigue? Where is this coming from? And I have a firm belief that where it's coming from is that the world literally stopped for us all. The world said, we have to stop right now. Everybody did. You know, this was a global pandemic. It wasn't just the U.S. We all just had to stop what we were doing and learn to be in a space where there was stillness. And I think that that gets so scary for people because what comes up when stillness is there is all of these things that are going on with us that we have pushed to the side because we go to our nine to five or we work every single day. We have this routine. We have this structure which requires us to not really be able to like slow down and think about stuff. And what comes from thinking is the overthinking, the anxiety, all of these different things, and then plans. So even when we're trying to slow down, we are continuously trying to figure out when the next time the move is though, and what that move is gonna look like. And I don't know how many times people have come in and they've been terrified to slow down, but they don't even know what it looks like. They don't know what it would bring. And for me, it's like, this is your space to slow down. Whatever it is out there, I am providing this container, this safe space for you. Because even if slowing down is scary, you're not doing it alone. We're slowing down together. And I'm going to help you really process some of these things that come up and find ways to help you really process them outside of here. Because it's not just what happens in sessions. It's, it's more so what they're able to bring outside. And apply to their own life when it comes to that. So I I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like I never answer your question properly, but hopefully that, that gave a little
0: insight. <laughs> I already forgot the question. So it doesn't even, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Kidding, not kidding, because as a channel, most of the time the questions are channeled and I'm just sitting here on the edge of my seat, riveted by everything you're saying. (laughs) So what is really coming through to me is hearing you talk about the stillness, the slowing down and how scary that is. Can you tell us about a time when you slowed down and you were still and what that brought up for you? I think I just want to hear a little bit more of your story, if you're willing to share.
1: Sure. Actually, a really specific memory came up. This is more recent, within the last two years. Done all my trauma, all my trauma work I do, quote unquote. There's, you're never done with the trauma work or any kind of work that we do on ourselves. But so I had processed a, a lot of trauma in a new space, in a new, really a new me, and I found myself struggling. I was having a really hard time, caseload, just completely ridiculous, and I was tired and I was burnt out. I was still trying to, even with the little bits of energy that I had, I was still trying to give that to everybody else because that's how I knew how to be. I was sitting there one day and I really couldn't, I didn't want to shower. I didn't want to cook. I didn't want to go outside. And I realized, let me just, let me just check out the yard work because I find that pulling roots and gardening and grabbing weeds and different things like that, that really getting down into the earth and feeling like that. I think just feeling connected to the earth in that way. It always helps me have a little bit of mindfulness and mindlessness, if that makes sense. So I wandered over to the tree in my yard and there were these huge sticker vines, the ones that kind of almost like a blackberry bush, but I never produce blackberries because it's never able the space that it's in it, it won't grow like that. It just gets these really nasty Vines that have these huge thorns on them, like so big that I I can't even grab them with gardening gloves. Anyways, so I'm sitting here and I'm cutting and I'm ripping and I'm just clearing these roots, right? And they're hurting me at some points. And I'm finding a new way. I'm like, no, I'm going to clear this. I don't even know what came over me. I didn't even want to shower that day, but I went outside and started pulling all these roots. And I'm clearing and clearing. It's almost like this weird space that I get in where I don't even know what's going on. I just need these roots to be out of my existence right now. And I need them to stop hurting me. I need to be able to walk in that space. I'm clearing the roots, cutting them down, putting them in piles, having to transfer them in this weird way. And I'm doing right. I keep doing because I, I woke up, I fell out of my element. I was like, I don't know what's happening, so I'm just going to do some shit. So I'm sitting there, cleared the whole space, went back to check out my work. And I stared at the ground and I remember everything slowed around me. It's like I didn't hear very much. I could hear the wind blowing through the tree above me, and I'm just staring at the dirt. And I did a good job. <laughs> I'll tell you, like I was busy, and I stopped for a moment. I allowed that stillness. I didn't really allow it. It it like jumped on me. It was like, all right, you're done pulling the damn thorns. Can we like do something now, right? So I'm sitting there, and I just I start bawling. I started leaking from the face, staring at this dirt. My neighbors probably think I'm the craziest person in the neighborhood. I'm literally staring at this open space. It is so open now and it's clear and it seems so free, right? Like this space is clear. I remember thinking in my head, look at all that space. Look at all that space. And that's all I could even think about. And it just translated into my brain. It was almost like this physical manifestation that I had to see of what that space would look like, of what it would look like to be clear of the thorns, to be clear of that pain, to have that be an experience where it was hard work. I'll tell you, I was out there really not that long, maybe less than an hour, but I had cuts on my hands. I had bruises where I tried to trip over one and a rock hit me in the ankle. Like I was like war wound from these huge thorn bushes. And it was such a nice metaphor for the fact that I busted my butt trying to do this one task to get all of this work done, to clean it up, to clear it out. I didn't know what the end product was going to look like. I had no idea. All I knew was I stepped on a thorn, it pissed me off. So I went after it. And I did that. And afterwards, it was just this. This really weird metaphor to doing the work, even when it's hard, even when you don't know what it looks like, even when there's no one there to tell you that it's gonna be okay, like this is just the work that was done. And I came I came out a little bruised and battered. But ultimately, what happened to me in that moment was I allowed a release. I allowed everything to pour out of me with no judgment, and I just I released and I think that a lot of people are afraid of that release because it feels like a breaking down, right? It feels like a falling apart. And in this world, you show one sign of weakness of falling apart like what's going to happen, right? No, I can't. I can't show that. I can't be that. I can't do that. This is me. I am strength. I continue. I move forward. But really it's not it's not a breaking down. It is an absolute relief for your body to be able to allow. How can you allow more if there's no space? How could I plant flowers in that spot if the roots of this thorn bush were just going to rip it all apart no matter what I did? It just goes to show in this moment, I needed space. I needed to slow down. I needed to stop. I needed to pause even after years of of growth and transformation and existential work and all the trauma work and everything else that I have done for myself and others could not have prepared me for what I needed in that moment. For some odd reason, it was so difficult for me to just take space and to pause. What I'm asking people to do is just trust that it's okay to be in a space with me and to take that pause and see what comes up and let me help you Mm -hmm. with what comes up.
0: Well, first of all, I just want to commend you because your ability to tell your story and to be able to relate it in a way that I'm sure we, I'm going to just speak for the collective. We can all relate to that. We know what it looks like to, again, I just keep thinking like be in the shit. Like I, you know, the last couple of days I've been in the shit and it's really hard to be there And we have to be there, right? We have to go through the weeding and the being and the, you know, going through and doing the work in service of the space, in service of having the clarity that is inevitably on the other side of doing the work. What keeps coming to mind is, you know, because we talk about like, this world, we cannot slow down. We cannot, and and when I hear you say that, I immediately begin to think of black and brown folks. It is so hard for us to slow down. And you and I are activists. We run with activists. We have, that's just who we are. We are healers, we're activists. And so what do you say to those folks who are trying to do this work in a healing way and trying to restore what has been broken? What do you say to those who are overfunctioning, who don't think that they can rest? What's the next step? What's the first
1: step? I think that's a really good question because it's actually something I'm working a lot with my clients right now, especially in the time that we're in right now. I like to really bring it back to, especially a way that A lot of people can understand is we have this this system right and this structure that within and it's broken it's very broken and all the components within it are trying to find ways to fix it but ultimately we live in this broken society right and this broken society these different social norms and these different you know these racist ideals and all of these situations that we're dealing with are all part of this this structure this institution's you know, all these institutionalized racisms, all these internalized oppressions that come from that. And so I guess my question is, why are you listening to the same broken system that has you working yourself to a bone right now just to exist, just to be seen, just to be heard? And so my thing is, if we are going to say tear the structure down, fix the system, do all this different work. You know, DEI work, super important, especially in corporations and businesses. If we're going to say all of that in the same sentence, we have to start with ourselves to stop those messages that society is also giving us, which is that hustle is to continue working yourself as hard as you can so that you have no room to breathe. It's to continue to work towards that capitalism lifestyle, all of these different ways. And so I guess my thing is tap a little more into the feminine. And allow that rest, allow that thought process, allow the rationale and the intellectualizing and all of these real patriarchal views, allow them to fall back a little bit and get in touch a little more. And when I say masculine and feminine, it's just those energies within us that create this duality, these different components of what our brain does and how we exist in this world. Listen to the feminine a little more, because that's what is telling you to process. To slow down to take a little take some time and you know there's all these different psychological theories and approaches to it and everything else but really you know some of the core ones spoke about this feminine and masculine and i'm tired of denying that feminine you know we have all of these different ways feminist you know perspectives all of these different views that are bringing forth this this power that the feminine has right and not I'm not just talking females I'm talking again about that feminine energy that's within us that's ingrained in us really just tapping into a little more of that and asking ourselves what is it about this structure in our system and this patriarchy that I feel like I still have to abide by these weird social norms that they have of what hustle looks like And I really appreciate, you know, different people and different ideas that people are bringing forth to revamp that word completely, what hustle looks like, what it should feel like, because we're just following along this capitalism, you know, patriarchal view of how we continue to move forward. And in doing so, you're not really listening to the side of you that that needs to be nurtured to be able to continue to do the hard work. And that's where I was stuck at. How can I expect myself to go forward with these people when I am so burnt out that I can hardly take care of myself right now? And that's not authentic. And it's not genuine. And it's not something that I would ever want to bring to a session or bring any kind of energy like that to my clients. So how can you continue to do this ridiculously hard work that is taxing on not only you, but everyone around you and the community and the collective? This is really hard work. How can you continue to do that without the rest? Because ultimately, what are you actually bringing forward if you're not taking care of yourself in those moments that you need to stop and pause? And I'm tired of making myself feel guilty about it. Because if I'm going to take care of others and I'm going to heal in the way that I can do it, I need to make sure that I'm putting my best person first, my best foot, everything that I come in, my energy, I want it to be on point. And yours doesn't have to be. I just need you to show up. But I can't expect myself to do great work for others if I am struggling and suffering inside.
0: I, I keep hearing the word imbalance. And what I know about you is that you are somebody who embodies balance. You know, not always. We're not, we're, we're not all, we're, there's no, there are no absolutes here. But when I think about when you are out of balance, I know that you're not feeling your best, Right. And and what I hear is this divine masculine, this divine feminine, we are so out of balance as a globe toward the masculine to the point where it's no longer divine masculine, it's toxic masculinity. And so bringing this divine feminine into balance, what I'm hearing is it starts with us as individuals. It starts with me slowing down, taking care of myself, resting, feeling, like feeling my feelings and listening to my intuition and allowing that to guide my decisions at times. I, for some reason, I keep having, I keep thinking about us as kids, you and I, and, and our siblings, and we experienced a lot of trauma growing up. That's just, that's just a fact. But what I, what I keep thinking of right now is laughter and joy and like that balance right? Because your work is so heavy, and the world is so heavy right now. So can you tell us a little bit about the role of joy and laughter and humor in all of this? And how has that changed your story?
1: Laughter is really important to me. It is a component I try to use in sessions, obviously, when appropriate. I try to bring it into many of my interactions with people in my personal life, professional life. I think laughter alone can be one of the big indicators of how big your struggle is right now and how much you're suffering. Because I like to ask clients two questions when I see how much they're struggling. I like to ask them when the last time they did something for themselves. And I like to ask them, when's the last time you laughed so hard that it was just in your face and in your body? And it almost causes me to cringe at how long it takes for people to answer these questions. Honestly, I'll cut them off. If they're thinking for more than 15 seconds on the last time they went out and got a coffee for themselves, I'm like, stop right there. It's too long. So let's work on what does that look like? What do these things look like that you need to feel good in your day-to-day? And it's not about big spa days and all of these, you know, taking a vacation to Hawaii for five weeks. It's about listening to what you need in one moment going into the next moment. That could be laying flat on your floor, staring at the ceiling and doing nothing for a minute and a half. Or that could be, I need to take a walk and just really get some fresh air. I don't know what that looks like for every single person, but I like to find out if I'm working with them. I think in these moments, you know, you talk a lot about balance and that's where the balance is really important. What happens is we think, okay, we need to do stuff to balance this out. Right. It feels big. You don't know where to start. You don't know what that looks like. You don't know what that even would feel like. And so we get these big expectations, right? This big, I'm going to schedule myself a five-hour spa day, and then I'm going to feel great afterwards because that's what I'm going to do to take care of myself. And sure, that works for some people. Some people can walk out of that spa feeling like a brand new person. Good, right? But for some, it can feel almost like I just obligated myself to do one more test. Now I do it. I'm going to feel way better afterwards, and I walk out, and I don't feel better. And it's like, well, what what did I do wrong? And that can be really hard because then it brings on that guilt and shame. I'm not even healing right. Right? That's like a narrative I feel like I hear whenever it's like, I did not feel better. I planned everything out. That's the thing about healing and growth and transformation. There's no, we can't mark it on the calendar. We can't say what day our triggers are going to come in so heavily that we're going to have to just take a rest day. It's not about that. And, and that goes with finding that balance and what do I need in this moment? And the little mini things that you can do for yourself for self-care, whether that's breathing, meditating, taking a walk, calling a friend, whatever that looks like. Those are just as important as the big ones that you do, like taking a beach vacation or doing all these, if not more so because they sustain you day to day, rather than having this big, huge expectation. And as we all know, most vacations do not live up to the expectation that we hope that they will. And so that becomes a little troublesome in its own. <laughs> I was just thinking of, this
0: was what, like 15 years ago at this point or something, maybe less, but Christine and I went to Hawaii to visit our parents. And we had this like amazing trip. It was just the two of us. So good. It was so, so good. And then the next year we came back with our entire family, all the siblings, we were in a tiny house, all four of us, like all six of us or whatever. And then I don't know any of you. if any of you watch Arrested Development, but Chris and I looked at each other like we've made a huge tiny mistake, right? Like this was, <laughs> <laughs> we made a huge tiny <laughs> mistake traveling with all of the siblings and all of the nieces and families and partners. And I think that it just, it kind of goes to show, it's like, we don't know shit. We really don't. We don't know that that, vacation is going to save us we don't know that 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 spa day is going to be when we can finally feel better what i hear in that and i just wanted to tell that story and and our brother and sister are going to be like those bitches but (laughs) but but really it's just if we are waiting to be happy if we are waiting for some experience some moment some person to bring us joy, we're going to be waiting forever. We're going to be waiting forever. And so something that I woke up with today is I want to live a real life in this present moment. That's a line. I want to live a real life. The movie Vanilla Sky keeps coming up for me lately. And he says that, you know, he has the option to stay in this like lucid dream or live a real life with God knows what, you know, like he didn't know what to expect in living this real life. And he was like, I want to live a real life. And that's, that's the notion that I'm really sitting with today as I'm hearing you talk because reality is this present moment and that's it. This is all we have is this moment. And so how can we slow down enough to really allow ourselves to feel and experience this moment in service of finding whatever it is that we're seeking, it's always here in this present moment. But mm-hmm. that, that's what I heard when I was
1: hearing you talk. Absolutely. I mean, especially in healing, because especially with healing, you only have these moments because, you know, anything can come up emotional expression and you push it down, you put it away. Who knows when it'll come up again, you know? And it's not about just sitting there and like waiting for all these negative emotions to come up. It's, I don't even like the term negative when it comes to those kinds of emotions because they still serve a purpose. They're still there for a reason. They are telling you something when it comes to experiencing it. I'm not talking about everybody should be in a deep depression for weeks on end. Like I'm talking about this beautiful darkness, right? Because how can we see or how can we even recognize any kind of light without that darkness? And I think that's where a lot of that duality is—is is in between the light and dark. Where do we get to be, right? In that space, it's, it's recognizing the emotions. It's not being afraid, not pushing it away. Just understanding that I see you, you're here. I'm going to let you move through me, and I'm going to experience it so that I can feel free to to feel something else. That's where I don't know. I think I have a very different view of darkness than a lot of people. I think you've known me long enough that. I don't just dip my toes. I go head first into that darkness. And when you're too scared to look at the darkness, I'm here with a headlamp, just showing you the tiny path of way. Let's take this little bit, right? I really like that metaphor for clients because it is scary because I need to see it. I want to feel it. I want to see it. I want to experience it in whatever way that I can that brings me closer to what your experience is so that we can walk through it together. Darkness is, darkness is beautiful. Because without the darkness, who are we? How can we be just beings of light without having that duality of understanding the darkness? Because I wouldn't have any capacity to speak about it if I hadn't walked through, walked through. If I hadn't dragged myself and trudged through my darkness, but I would never have seen the light. I wouldn't know what it looked like, even if it was engulfing me I wouldn't have been able to experience it without that darkness because something interesting comes out of being in the dark all the time. I don't know if it's an appreciation for the light or if it's like this energetic life that I get when I see glimmers. In that darkness. I'm like a kid, like a baby almost. You open your eyes and you see these all these bright colors, and these lights, and eventually you don't even know what's going on. You're just opening your eyes to it. Like That's how I see these glimmers of light within people's darkness. I see it. I attach to it. I want to get to know it. And I bring us closer to it in whatever way I can. And where that stems from is the fact that I lived in darkness. For over a decade, I lived in the darkest of dark. From that, I think there's a way that when you pull yourself out of that kind of depth, that no matter what anyone else's struggle is, just that basic empathic knowing of that suffering is enough to be what someone needs to just move, to move a little bit. Because that's what happens is trauma has a stuck in these different situations that we don't even know anything different at a certain point. All I ask is show up and let's see what how we can move a little bit through this. And I don't know, I guess <laughs> I guess that's just me, but I do know that hopefully I've helped a lot so far and I am continuing to be on this path where I can just be whatever I can to the people that need that. Even on the hardest days, all we have to do is show up.
0: I want to know when the last time you belly laughed was. What was the last like really joyful memory that you had?
1: <laughs> um, actually, a couple nights ago, I was, well, we were just me, my partner and I, we play around a lot. We're very playful. We do silly things. I try to make him get into these weird yoga poses at night when I'm stretching for the night to try to like release my muscles and you know try to kind of rest and I was having some trouble sleeping so I was I just kind of got into what is it called happy baby is that where you're on your back and you grab your feet so I struck a post and I was I was like I was feeling good I, I hadn't posed like that in a while like I haven't done I haven't practiced yoga I mean not spread eagle but so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm like stretching holding myself and I I try to convince my partner to do it with me. I was like, it's incredible. Like, I haven't stretched like this in so long and I'm just turtling. I don't even know if I'm doing it properly or if I'm in good form. Who knows? I'm like on the bed. I'm not even on a flat surface and I'm just just turtling on there. And let's just say to try to get my partner to get into this pose and enjoy it the way I was doing actually led into one of the biggest belly laughs I've had because obviously, we'll just say some... Personal Functions happen when they went into the pose. And so my happy baby, if that's even the term, was wildly interrupted. That gave us both a, a really good laugh. I was even sore the next day from laughing so hard. That was either the, the, the pose I was in or my belly laugh. But yeah, a couple days ago, honestly, it is. You're so sore
0: from your, your happy baby, which makes sense, <laughs> but... But what I love about that story is, and I think that this is why my guides kind of sent me that question is because if we don't slow down to witness our joy, to witness like the joy that's in the moment, the humor that's in the moment, we're missing everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's that's everything. And the it's so, I think COVID land, it's so easy to be like, I mean, literally turn on any news outlet and Mm -hmm. it's like, it's awful. It's so crazy to think that this is where we are right now. So incorporating, not just incorporating laughter and joy, but like really savoring it. I think that that is the word of my week is like savor. It's savoring the darkness Because Mm -hmm. the darkness always has purpose and savoring the light and the joy and the levity because we need both. And we need all of the in-between as well. So I love that. It is called happy baby. It is called happy baby. And I just don't really want to think of your partner that way. Um, I think that that's that's where my mind went is like, you're talking about, I mean, you're my... You're my sister. No, we're not taking this out. Um, you're my sister thinking about you spread Eagle already uncomfortable. Oh my and God. then also <laughs> just kidding. So I, you know, at the end of the day, I think that what is like the distilled, what is the distilled message? We get to live real life. We get to be present. We get to notice the in-between and the beauty that's in the in-between as well as the extremes. You just seem like somebody that can hold it all and and hold it all for, <laughs> I see you laughing. So I'm curious that's about, but to be able to hold it all for yourself in service of holding it for others. So what would you tell people who are having trouble
1: holding it all? Stop holding it, allow, release, Mm. find find ways to to release in little ways even you know it's you have to release if you hold in anything what happens I mean let's use the the silly I mean the silly example from before holding that in that would have caused some extreme discomfort especially in that position right so in this position that people are in today holding that in what is that doing for you how is that serving you you can hold something But even as humans, if we hold something for so long, we will deteriorate. And I'm talking about a physical manifestation. If I hold two heavy weights in my arms, how long can I actually do that before it takes me down? And so I am just, I guess, an openness to release, to even just hold with one hand. You don't have to always hold everything. Hold a little bit today. And then tomorrow, you know what? If you need to pick up a little more, then fine. But today. At least allow a little bit of release so that you can allow your flow, that natural flow and that energy to be able to come in. We need space. It's just like the thorns. I cannot produce beauty when it, there's no space. When there was no space, there's it had to be a little bit of a clearing. I needed to clear the space just a little bit to be able to allow that, that flow and that abundance. And I think one of your words just last week was allowance, right? To be able to allow requires us to let go. Mm, Beautiful
0: sister, and stop yelling at me. I know I try to hold everything. That's been my
1: plight. So it's interesting that you heard yourself in that. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean?
0: Are you are you therapying me right now? No, I just wasn't
1: talking about anyone in particular.
0: I know, no, I know. It's I know. I'm 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 kind of kidding, but I do know that it's easy for me to be like, okay, I need to bring balance, so I'm going to add in these other things. When I'm like, how about I just let go? It was it's really interesting. Like yesterday, I met with because um, I I do consulting as well, and I met with my team, and I really thought the meeting was going to be okay, like. I just want to get really clear about what I need to do. And they're like, how about you chill the F out and tell us what we can take off your plate because you're going through a lot. And it's like, it didn't even occur to me that I had this community that I could lean on who are brilliant and I would trust with my life quite literally. I think the message that I'm hearing really, really strongly, especially in this, in this I know we've been Mm -hmm. talking a lot about COVID, but it just feels really relevant because we can no longer take on more. Like the world has slowed down for a reason. So how do we bring balance without necessarily adding more to our plate? I love that. So with that, golly, usually I would ask my guests, what is your bumper sticker? So what is the one thing it can be? Silly, corny, serious. What's your one thing? that you would put on the back of your Pinto. You don't drive a Pinto, but if you did. (laughs) What would your bumper
1: sticker be? Why was that the car you chose? I don't know. Anyways, my bumper sticker. You know, I had a prescribed one before this happened, and it's funny because that is definitely not the one that's coming through. The one that's coming through that's most authentic and genuine to this whole conversation Is find your happy baby. (laughs) I love it. That's what's coming through for find your happy find your happy baby baby. find your
0: spread eagle and (laughs) no (laughs) just kidding find your happy baby
1: tell us what does that mean to you well it ties into you know this whole podcast and everything we've been talking about is these little moments of joy even if they're minute. Even if it's once a week right now, because you can't stomach any more joy in your life than a small moment once a week, let that be the happiest baby you've ever seen. If you only have 15 seconds of happy baby, you better be fucking rolling around on that ground, just digging deep to find the happiest freaking baby you can find. And so I guess that's where my, my ultimate thing is, is like find that joy in, in between again, because Sure, I was having troubles with sleep. Sure, the day was hard. But in that moment, I was the weirdest, happiest baby. And honestly, didn't even think that it was anything important until this moment where we had to speak about this random memory that happened a couple (laughs) days ago. I love it. But really, find your moments of joy, even if there's few and far in between, and really revel in them. Because if one person makes you laugh this week, and you are just guttural laughing, it's just in your belly, everything is happening, then be there with that moment. Enjoy that. Remember what it feels like for your body to feel light in that moment. Remember what that moment feels like to not have all those things on your plate, to not have all the extra stresses and everything. Anytime you laugh, remember what your body feels like in that specific moment. Find that happy baby. And I, I guess I just feel really
0: lucky right now because so many of those gut laughter moments are with you, sister. So thank you for always oh, you're showing welcome. me your happy baby. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you for always being my happy baby. <laughs> oh, that's really nice. <laughs> you are also you're the baby <laughs> in the family, so it feels appropriate. I am. Oh, yeah. I love you so much, sis. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here and imparting yeah. your wisdom and your beautiful, brilliant way of seeing the world. We need you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was, uh, this was fun. <laughs> I like it. Oh, friends. I am so grateful that you had the opportunity to Be with us in this interview, Christine has such a gift of seeing the beauty in the darkness. I think it's something that's really, really undervalued in our current culture. The current state of the world is really being in the darkness in service of producing beauty, producing light in our lives. That was my biggest takeaway is the darkness serves a purpose. And it all starts with being present and just being present with your own darkness, your own suffering, in service of finding the light on the other side. Because without that clearing, as Christine mentioned, without clearing out what needs to be cleared out, without processing what so desperately needs to be processed, there's no space. There's no space to invite Flow, to invite abundance, to invite joy, to invite connection. So being able to process in service of letting go is critical, it, and it's especially critical in the state of where we are as a country, as a, as a collective, as, as a planet. If you'd like to connect with Christine, the best way to do so is via email. Her email is Christine at calmwatersmhc.com. And that can also be found in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for being here, friends. You have no idea how very grateful I am to be in community with you. Find me on all the socials at Shaman Leilani and drop me a note. Let me know how this landed for you. But until next time, be still my friends and live into your impact. Love you all so much. Take good care of your spirits and talk soon.